Thanks, Jamie. <clears throat> it's a joy to be here. It really is. Do you like the person you sat next to? Okay, because if you, if you want to move, now's the time, uh, just in case. Um, I, I know what I'm like. If I, if I don't obey Jesus, I'll, I'll regret it later. So I, I need to say something to this the young lady on the third row back, right in the corner, with the black and whitey thing. I need to say something to you. I really do. Um, you, you know you're a girl, but you know you're a woman of God. You know that already. Um, I just felt I needed to say, Jesus has got huge dreams for you. And the key is in intimacy with him. I, 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 it was really strange. Just during the worship, I just felt God almost propel me to say, I need to let you know that. And there's always a risk when you say to somebody, you know, slightly on the younger side, because I'm guessing you're under 30, I'm guessing... Uh, <laughs> But there's always a risk that, oh, we'll go to the head, I'm arrogant and all. No, no, no. The, the key is intimacy with Jesus. But, but he has huge dreams for you. Keep close to him and never let anybody tell you that your dreams are too big. Because your dreams are from him. But just stay close to him. So you just felt I needed to say that to you, you woman of God. It's almost scary what God's going to be doing through you. It's, I'm a little bit scared, so you are a little bit. But stay close to him. Stay close to him because you've got big dreams for you. And, and I need to say some, something to a, to a man here. And um, it's really interesting because sometimes God does this with me. And, and if, if you call it a word of knowledge, if you like, or a bright idea, whichever you prefer, I don't mind. Um, but often Jesus tells me who it's for, but he's not told me who this is for. But it's for a man. And it, it's to do with your business, to do with your work. And it's a really strange one. Um, I think I'm right, and there might be mariners here who will tell me, but if you've ever been on a ferry, cross-channel ferry, or a, a big ferry, a big boat, at the front, at about sea level, they have a big lumpy thing at the front. I think it's called a bulbous prow or a bulbous bow or something. You may have seen those. So the, the pointy end of the ship, okay, that's the front, okay, that's the bow, has at sea level a, a bulbous prow or a bulbous bow or something. It's, it's the lumpy thing. And I need to say to a man here, to do with your business, to do with your work, God is going to fit you with a bulbous prow. He's going to fit you with something. And you know why? Because when the weather is adverse and when ferries and big ships are going for it, um, that breaks up the waves before it hits the main body of the ship. And you, you, you <laughs> I feel bad now. Maybe this is why Jesus didn't tell me who it's for. Um, because there's, there's, oh dear... There's like a, there's a rocky time coming in business. I just need to be faithful to that. In, in business, in work, in your work environment. Because sometimes we forget that Jesus is bothered about what we do Monday to Friday. It's not just about Sundays. Um, so whatever you do in your work life, there's a man here that, 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 that waters might get a bit rocky and it might get a little bit wavy and a bit stormy. Um, but, but God is going to fit you with a bulbous bow. You are going to have something that's going to give you like a hard nose. You're going to be able to resist that, that adverse conditions because Jesus will have fitted you with a toughness. I, I get the feeling it's, it's not like a tough guy, you know what I mean? It's, not a, it's, it's somebody who's maybe slightly shy a little bit, but you know you're in a certain business or, or work world that God has put you in. And you're going to come through difficult times. But when the difficult times come, you will get through because he will fit you with a toughness. You don't consider yourself a hard-nosed guy, but God is going to give you a hardened nose. He's going to give you that bulbous bow, just like a ship has, to protect the front. 
He will protect you. He will bring you through. It's to do with business. It's to do with work. It's to do with an adverse storm coming your way. But the storm will go and you will come through because he will have fitted you with that. Jesus, I pray for this woman of God, this young lady here, that you would help her to stay close to you. That you would, through that key, help the dreams you have for her be huge, Lord. Not because it's about her, but I I almost prophesy now, Lord, for the people who are going to be blessed through this woman of God's ministry in the years to come. And I pray for this guy who's not a hard-nosed guy, but you're going to give him a hard nose. You're going to give him a toughness, Lord. And when these adverse circumstances come in business or work, I pray for this man. And I pray now that guy would know it's him right now. Lord, let him receive this word from you and let him know that he's not going to do anything, but, but you're fitting him with a, with a hard nose, with a bulbous front, with something at the front that's going to protect um, that business, that work environment. Because it's your business, it's your work. You will see him through that storm when it comes. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I feel like I'm finishing. I haven't started yet, sorry. <laughs> um, so I just want to check. Am I right the video's not working? It's working. Oh, that's interesting. Um, good. Let's, let's in faith. Now, it is only 35 seconds, but uh, let's watch this video. Thank you for getting it working. Emma. 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 Thank you. It worked out. <laughs> yeah, anyway, there's lots of things that can be said. But sometimes people see things differently. <laughs> sometimes people see things differently. Um, that's just an advert for a paper, as you might have gathered. But I want to talk about a, a story that's quite familiar to us out of Scripture. And it's in three of the Gospels. And in every Gospel, it's immediately after the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's in Matthew chapter 14, which is what we're going to read. It's in Mark chapter 6. It's in John chapter 6. Um, But every time, it's always immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. And you probably know that the gospel writers don't claim to be writing a diary. Not everything is necessarily chronological. They shape things, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Gospels that need to be looked at together. They shape things for for theological reasons. But this seems to be one of those occurrences that literally seem to follow immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. And, uh, in fact, if we can do, um, this... is what a guy called Tom Wright, who's a writer of Christian books, Tom Wright says, there's only one great picture ever been painted of this account. Painted by Conrad Witz in 1444. If he thinks that it's a great painting, I, I think that's deeply flawed. I would want to say, well, first of all, I'd want to say, why has Jesus got this funny crash helmet on? He's got like a, he's got like a sort of crash helmet thing going on. Um, that looks a bit weird. And I would want to call this Jesus goes for a paddle. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not sure there's a lot of supernatural in there. Um, and uh, Conrad Witz titled this painting, A Picture of the Life of Faith. 
a picture of the life of faith. I would want to call it far more a picture of the life of faith mixed with doubt and fear, which is our typical experience. I don't know about you, but in my walk with Jesus, I have moments of great faith, great confidence, great boldness, interspersed with doubt and fear and wonder. And that actually is the journey that we're often on. So let's read the scripture. It's in Matthew 14. And I'm not going to put the full text on here because it'd be good if you could find your Bible. It's always good to have Bibles. And if you've not got a Bible, then the pastor here, who's so generous and kind, will buy you one. <laughs> so if you'd like to find your Bible and uh, either turn it on, <laughs> if you're young and trendy, uh, or open it. Um, so Matthew chapter 14, Matthew 14. And I'm going to pause this story halfway through for reasons that will become obvious. You see, we talked about a man and a woman a moment ago who saw things differently. We're going to see one of the disciples who saw things differently. Saw things differently. So, Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance. Take that, Mr. Witz. Was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. I want to hit the pause button there. Because many of us, we know what happens next. But hold on, let's just absorb what we've read so far. It's really interesting that it says Jesus compels the disciples to get into the boat. In the NIV, as I read it, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. You know, Matthew, written in Greek, and the, the word is actually quite strong. Jesus compels them. He, he, he urges them. He gets them to go into the boat. And John's gospel tells us that at the end of the feeding of the 5,000, um, the people wanted to make Jesus king. But they were thinking of political uprising. They were thinking as Jews of the first century of getting rid of the Romans and and the kingdom of God, whatever that meant to Jews at that time being established. But you see, Jesus knew that wasn't the way. He was on a journey of sacrifice. He was on a journey to the cross. As we've been singing already, he had to go through the journey of the cross before the crown would ever come later. And therefore, it's really important to see that what was Jesus was doing here is he didn't want them to make him king. They'd seen the success. All these people fed. Feeding of the 5,000. Wow, it's brilliant. Come on, let's, let's make him king. No, 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 no. Jesus made them get in the boat, go on ahead of them to the other side. He dismissed the crowd. He got rid of the crowd. And so there's a couple of things I want to say after, but this is probably the biggie. When Jesus invites you to step out, go for it. Because of my friendship with Jamie, I didn't want to just sort of find something off a shelf. I want to say, Lord, what do you want to say at refreshing? And there are people here, God wants to refresh you. God wants to renew your spirit. And even as we were singing 
And as we were praising Jesus before, a phrase came to my mind that Jesus wants to touch you with his glory. Jesus wants to touch you with his glory. When Jesus invites you to step out, go for it. And so it tells us in verse 25 that this was the fourth watch of the night. So the fourth watch is the last watch, and that would start at 3 a.m. So this is probably 3 a.m., 4 a.m., considered to be the darkest time of the night. And if you think about it, these guys had been rowing for several hours because Jesus had finished while it's daylight. They got in the boat and cleared off. And so they'd been rowing across the Sea of Galilee for a considerable number of hours. There was also the Hebrew belief, typical of the time, that evil spirits lived in the sea. So they want to get across there as soon as they can. And this was not easy. And they were rowing hard, it tells us, because they, um, they were buffeted by the waves. And though, so they were going slowly. They were struggling to get across here. And the danger for professional fishermen was to, to, to try harder, to row harder. I don't know about you, something about being British, that when we get cornered, we try harder. And then we try harder. We try harder. And if all else fails, well, we better ask Jesus for some help and pray. Wonder why we do it that way round. When often Jesus is wanting us to learn to grow in dependency upon him. That's often our journey of faith and doubt and fear. How many times have you and I been through circumstances where God brings us through? Well, Jesus brought us through. Who'd have thought? I mean, of course, we always knew Jesus. And it's, oh, God, I promise I'll never doubt you again. I'll never fear circumstances again. You brought me through and it's miraculous and I'll never doubt you again. And then three or four months later, oh, God, what are you playing at? What's happening? Oh. And we have that cycle. And the wonder of it is Jesus loves us and has compassion on us and doesn't smack us because he sees we're on that journey and faith and doubt and fear all mingle together. But what matters in the marathon that Christians are running is that each time we're closer and more confident in depending on Jesus and he has compassion on us through that. So when they saw Jesus, it was so funny because Lots of us as Christians say, oh, I hope the worship leaders, I hope Phil's good, I hope he's good enough tonight so we see Jesus, you know. Um, but every time people saw Jesus, they were terrified. And so how many of us go to worship service, oh, we want to see Jesus, we want to see, ah, Jesus is here. It's so funny. And so they saw Jesus and, oh, is that lovely? No, they didn't do the charismatic, isn't that lovely, tingly, tingly. No, they were, they panicked. Oh my goodness, it's Jesus. They cried out in fear. Peter then walked on the water. I love that. You see, we know what happens next. And if we're not careful, we get focused on what happened. Peter walked on water. That is astonishing. It's one thing for Jesus, the Son of God, to walk on water. But the Bible tells us we can do what Jesus did. He did what he did as a human being, full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter also walks on water. But first, he had to get out of the boat. I don't know about you, but that step, you know, imagine this was water. And it's like, it's not that Jamie looks like Jesus, obviously. <laughs> but hey, it's, it's, it's not, just that moment, oh my goodness. I'm not sure if I could have done that. Because it's like, well, it's water. But somehow, Peter had the faith the confidence, the dependency, the history with Jesus, that Jesus wasn't going to let him down. And he stepped out. You see, that first step, 
That's the hard bit. That's the hard bit. And when Jesus invites you to step out, go for it. He had to get out of the boat. And as I was preparing this, my mind went back to years and years ago. Myself and a, a, a friend of mine, I was the sidekick really, but a guy called Dave and me, um, we we been involved in planting a church and Dave led the church for about four or five years, then slowly handed over to me, the kid. I was scared as well. So were the people. Um, and, uh, and after a couple of years in rented buildings, we had the first opportunity to buy a, a, a building right in the centre of Stockport, South Manchester. And it was a huge challenge, a huge challenge. I remember we, we, we negotiated. <laughs> the, the people wanted £250,000, which back in the day was quite a lot of money. You probably multiply that by 10 now. So £250,000. And uh, we sat with the leaders and, and, and trustees and that, and we made an offer of £150,000. <laughs> and the estate agent got back to me and says, no, no, no. And after a while, he says, we're looking to meet in the middle, Reverend. He kept calling him Reverend. Um, we wanted to meet in the middle, so, so it was up for 250000 and and you've offered £150,000, we are looking to meet in the middle, it was a bit of a hint, okay, we'll, we'll think and pray about that then, okay, so we thought and prayed about it, and we felt God gave us a figure, there's about six of us in the room, and I think all but one actually had the exact figure, and so I, I rang him back up and said, we want to we wanna make an offer of 153000 that's in between. And this estate agent was rude, even though I was a reverend. I can't tell you what he said, but it wasn't reverend. Um, anyway, about three months later, that same guy rang. It was the shortest conversation ever. We'd be thinking about it, talk to the owner, and yes, he's accepted your offer. Bye-bye, thank you. <laughs> and that was it. So I was able to stand up in front of the church and say, just to let you know, we made an offer, it's been accepted, to buy this building, 153,000. And it was, ah, yes! And I said, and the great news is, we've got 11,000 in the bank. <laughs> oh! Oh, I forget, I must have been about 30, 32 maybe, I can't remember now. Boy, I prayed. I prayed, we've made this offer, now we might need some money. And as I was praying, I really felt, I don't often get pictures and stuff, certainly not for me. But as I was praying, I really felt God said to me, um, and, and I hate swimming. I'm one of these people, if you see me in the sea, I go backwards. I try really hard. I can't do that one. That's too, I do that one. And I go backwards. And I'm, so I'm a bit nervous of water. It's one of the few things. I made myself learn to swim. Cause, and, and, and this picture, I was at the top of one of these great big diving boards. I thought, ridiculous. I don't even like and, and I'm at the top on these diving boards, and it was like God said to me, you're at the top of this diving board, look down, and I look down, and there's one of these round pools at the bottom that you have to dive into. And I'm like, <laughs> and I knew it was a picture of the step of faith I had to take. My, my big faith-filled pastor friend Dave, he cleared off somewhere. And so I'm like leading this thing, and it's like, he's supposed to be a pastor with I mean, he's supposed to have faith if you're a pastor. Sorry. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm really praying. And, and, and God says, you're at the top of this. And it was a long way down. And then I knew God was saying, this was like a metaphor of we just had to take the step of faith. We had to take the step of faith. And as I'm looking down, I looked and this pool at the bottom, it had no water in. It had no water in either. And I'll never forget the whisper of Jesus because I'm complaining like you do to Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, as you drump... Halfway down, I'll fill the pool with water. Well, that's all right then. 
You see, often our walk with Jesus is about step of faith after step of faith after step of faith after step of faith. And for me, at that time, and I've had some before, a lot since, there are times when Jesus says, you need to step out. You need to go for it. You need to step out. There's a friend of mine who's um, a pastor in London. And a couple of years ago, Easter, their church and some of their young people all together were doing a special Easter outreach. And so they didn't want to do like the singing and stuff, but they um, put a couple of tables up and a few chairs behind and it was decent weather. And they said, "Um, if you'd like prayer, just come and talk to us. We're happy to pray for you. They also gave Easter eggs out and had little leaflets about about Jesus and why Easter maybe is connected to Jesus because not everybody knows that nowadays. Um, And so they were just doing this and setting up at the beginning. And then all of a sudden, my, my pastor said, there's a guy who he just about noticed had walked past on the high street. And this guy had walked past. And suddenly he marched up to my friend, the pastor, and he says, what did you do to me? And he, and he said, what, what do you mean, what did I do to you? I didn't do anything. He says, well, you must have done something. He says, well, why did you say that? Well, I was just been walking up the high street and I had a, a severe accident about 20 years ago. And, and my leg has been severely um, disabled since, so I had to walk with quite a severe limp, and quite often it's caused me quite a lot of pain, and as I was coming up, I, I was doing, just limping like normal, and, 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 and it was in pain like normal, it's just normal, it's been like that for years, and as I walked past here, suddenly I felt no pain, and now I'm walking absolutely free, what did you do to me? And the pastor was like, I don't know. And then suddenly, one of the young fellas, a teenager, uh, who was unpacking boxes at the side, he put his hand up, because my pastor friend told me, put his hand up and says, I I prayed for you. Sorry. (laughs) He says, what do you mean you prayed for me? And even the pastor said, what do you mean you prayed for him? And he says, well, I was just unpacking and I glanced up and I saw you walking up. And so um, I I, I saw you were limping and, and thought, I just prayed that Jesus would take the limp away and make you well. And he obviously did. That little step of faith. That little step of faith. This guy then said, well, who's Jesus? He says, well, he's the God we worship. The God we worship. Turns out he was an Asian guy of a different faith, but a nominal faith. He says, how long are you here for? He says, well, we're here for all the morning. He says, right. He went away. He came back with his wife and three kids, marched up to them, stood there, and then knelt in the middle of Chiswick High Street, knelt on the floor and says, you need to tell us about this Jesus and help us to get to know him. See, that's just a... I was a naughty, naughty teenager who should have just been emptying boxes when he prayed for somebody. Just a little step of faith. Do you know what I wonder? How many things do we miss because we're not brave enough to do that little step out? Just that little step out in faith. Just that little tiny thing. I was talking to somebody I know in Worcester, near where we live. Uh, it's Worcester under seven, they call it now. <laughs> and, uh, and this lady, she was an elderly lady. And uh, she, she, was, she was just, and she'd heard a faith story at church about how Jesus uses ordinary people. But, but she didn't consider herself an ordinary person because she was like an old lady that wasn't even an ordinary person. So, and so she'd heard all this. Oh, that's really good for ordinary people. And she's, just, and she's in the queue at the post office. And while she's in the queue to get her pension at the post office, because she liked to do it that way, or she's at the post, she knew that Jesus said to her, you need to turn to the person behind you and tell them that they don't need to fear death. And she's like, I'm just like an ordinary little old lady. <laughs> But eventually she was brave enough 
to turn round and there was another lady behind her. And she says, I hope you don't mind me. I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I, I, I follow Jesus and I just felt as a Christian, I should say something to you. I hope you don't mind, but you don't need to have any fear of death. And this lady burst into tears. And the lady telling me, the Christian lady, she says, I didn't know what to do. I was in the post office. And, 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 and this lady, and so she missed her place in the queue. Sacrifice, you see. She missed her place. And so and they had a little bit of conversation. And there was a reason this lady feared death because of something that had just happened the week before. And she says, I'll tell you what, can I, can I buy you a coffee? So the two of them went for a coffee. And that journey is still continuing because Jesus is using his old lady to speak to another old lady who shortly, I'm sure, will be a follower of his too. You see, what I love about those stories is just a little thing. And I think if we're not careful, we sometimes hear these great stories of men of God and women of God who did it. But it's like, for them, well, we are them. We, we are available to Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, I wonder what he's whispering to us all the time. And sometimes... If we're not careful, we say, well, it's such a big thing, I couldn't possibly do that. Or, well, it's such a small thing, it's not worth doing. Well, how can we possibly win then? I need something that's just about the right size. Not too big and scary, not too small. And it's... That's a whisper of Satan. And I believe God is nudging people already to say, to be ready to step out of the boat, whatever that means for you. Just be ready for that whisper. Just like the lad who, I just saw he was limping. Jesus, help him, heal him. Turn around to the person behind you in the queue and say something on behalf of Jesus. What I love about this is it's not presumption in this story. You see, verse 28 is fascinating because Peter says, Lord, if it's you. If we're not careful, we think that's a doubt. It's not so much a if it's you as in a doubt. It's more, it's faith because if there is you, you are supernatural. And therefore, Peter then says, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And of course, Jesus says, come. He waits for the invitation. I've been around church long enough to know that there are some people who are way too cautious. And if the archangel Gabriel appeared to them every night consecutively at 10 o'clock, just when the news is coming on, and tells them to do something, they might well do it. But only then, and only if it's Gabriel, and only if it's all week at the same time. Because some Christians are, are, are overly cautious, either cautious about what God can do or what God can do through them. But then you do get some nutters. <laughs> Obviously not in Bedford. <laughs> or not in the flock. In the, no, um, but, but you see, what I love about this is that J- Peter doesn't just do a sort of... Because he, he is stupid a lot of the time. I, I, I have the name. Um, so, but if you see the sequence of this, he, oh, it's Jesus! No, no, he doesn't do that. Even Peter, bless him, has learned a bit. He waits for the invitation of Jesus. You can have a few Christians who think that God blesses stupidity. It's not about being stupid. It's not about being foolish. It's not about putting your brains in the bin. As soon as Peter says, if it's you, ask me to come out, Jesus says, okay, go for it. He goes for it. He waits for the invitation of Jesus. Jesus speaks and then he responds. So that's why before we step out, we have to be sure we've heard the voice of Jesus. Because we don't want to be just religious nuts that are just weird and going around doing weird things hoping Jesus will rescue us. That's not the same. It's when we've heard the whisper of Jesus. And when we've heard that whisper, then we go for it. 
Jesus just says, come. And Peter goes for it. And Peter walks on water. You see, as well as it not being presumption, we've also got to expect the supernatural. Jesus is naturally supernatural. He doesn't have to like turn it on and off. He's just naturally supernatural. That's why the painting is so wrong. Jesus goes for a paddle. It's not that. In fact, they are in the middle of the sea. In fact, in in Matthew's version, it says in verse 24, the boat was already a considerable distance from land. Many stadia, it says in the original. John's gospel tells us accurately it was 25 to 30 stadia out. It was like five miles, four miles out. And so it was supernatural. That's why this, this painting's so ridiculous, because it's like there's some stones there. You know what I mean? And then some people who don't believe in the supernatural say, oh, what Jesus did, he was a very, very careful standing on stones just under the water. Oh, for goodness sake. They were very big stones. If they were 25 stadia out, five miles out, they were deep stone. No, that's why this is deeply flawed. Because expect the supernatural. It's a moment of revelation as well. When Jesus, and it's a bit lost on us this, but then in verse 27 it says, take courage, it is I. The phrase he uses, the, the Greek is ego eimi. It was the same as God used when he revealed himself to Moses. This isn't just saying, it's me. This is saying, it's me and I'm God. That is God's self-declaratory phrase. Ego eimi. It is I. God is with you. That's why we've got to be very careful as followers of Jesus. We're not just optimistic. Sometimes I hear Christian messages, come on, be optimistic. It's not about being optimistic. It's knowing that the supernatural Jesus Christ is with us. It's not just about, we may well be optimistic, but we're only optimistic because Lord God is with us. And so this isn't just Jesus saying, hey, I'm here, boys. You're all right now. It is him in the midst of this making it very clear. God is with you. That's why it's a moment of revelation. The impossible is possible through the power of Jesus. So here's a thought for you in your walk with Jesus. Now, what are you doing that can't be done without Jesus? Because if everything you can be done without Jesus, then we probably don't need Jesus. So maybe our dreams aren't big enough. Uh You see, how is Jesus asking you to step out right now? And I I was praying about some examples. Um, I'm assuming that the vast majority, maybe all of us here tonight, are following Jesus already. But maybe, just maybe, there's one or two people here, you're not yet a follower of Jesus. You might come to church, you might be part of church, you might love all the churchy things and whatever. But that doesn't mean you've chosen to follow Jesus. Maybe the step out for you is tonight to say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. Maybe you've already decided some while ago to follow Jesus, but Jesus is challenging you to be baptised. It's a very obvious thing, but sometimes people miss it for all manner of reasons. But that is a command of Jesus. Maybe Jesus wants you to step out and be brave and be baptised to show your commitment in following him. Maybe he wants you to witness for him. You see, sometimes we can do the churchy thing in churchy circles, but when we're not in churchy circles, we don't really do the God thing. And therefore, we find people we work with or in our families, and for whatever reason, they're oblivious to our faith in Jesus. Maybe the stepping out 
is for you to be brave about sharing your faith. Either work or family or friends, whatever environment it is. Maybe even now God is saying to you, for you, the stepping out in faith is to step out and share your faith. We have this thing, it's very British. We think it's personal. And because it's personal faith, it's private faith. How do we make the jump from personal to private? No, that's crazy. Maybe that's the step of faith that God is saying to you. Something I prayed about as well is maybe the step of faith for you is to step out in the miraculous. Maybe there's something that can only happen in the circumstances of your life with a miracle. And maybe you've even said to yourself, oh, if that happens, that would be a miracle. Well, that's no problem then. Because we worship a supernatural God. But sometimes in our sort of shorthand facetiousness, oh, it would be a miracle. Yeah, that's okay then. I love the fact in the New Testament it talks in the book of Acts about the extraordinary miracles. It's like, yeah, they were like bog standard ordinary miracles, but these were special extraordinary miracles. When was the last time you prayed for somebody to be healed who's not already a follower of Jesus? See, I tell you what we, we often do, and I do this, I'm, I'm preaching myself, it's horrible when you preach yourself. But if you've got like churchy circles over here, and, and we sort of we do all the churchy and God can heal and whatever. And then and then we turn over here and we have our non-Christian mates. Hopefully, we've got some non-Christian mates. And we've got some non-Christian mates and in whatever context of life, and, and somebody over here has a need, and oh yeah. Oh, okay. I'll go to the other half of my life. There's a guy over there. Can, can you pray for him? Oh, we'll pray, 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 pray. And we pray. Do you know what we don't, we're not very good at doing? Is stepping out of faith this way and saying, I'm actually a follower of Jesus. And if you're not, would you mind if I pray for you? I've learned to be braver. I'm braver now than I was in my 20s. I'm determined to be braver every decade. <laughs> because I look back at times when I'm ashamed of the fact my, my faith was too private as well as personal. And, and I, I would almost have these two worlds. But what about that step of faith where with somebody who presents an, a, a need, who's not a follower of Jesus, we pray for a miracle. We pray for that healing with them. There are, ve- there are some, but very few people will resist prayer. Very few. And you never know. God may come through because we stepped out in faith. I wonder whether Peter ever regretted stepping out. I don't think he did. We know what happens next. We'll look at that in a minute. But he walked on water. He stepped out and went for it. Therefore, and encourages whatever it looks like in your life and my life. I believe Jesus is whispering to all of us in the different circumstances of our life to step out, to go for it, to expect the supernatural. What about, and I was praying about this, what about speaking in tongues? Sometimes that can be a big hurdle. I grew up in a church when it was a little bit robotic. It was a little bit militant. If you don't do that, you've not... It was a bit, and I reacted against that. And, and also our, our church... Some people will know it. Um, our church was a bit odd sometimes. And I remember sitting at about 15, 16, sitting between two brothers, friends of mine, John and Andy. And in front of us was a guy, and he was just going, Oh, for a shandy. Oh, for a shandy. Oh, for a shandy. So one brother reached across to the other brother and said, Will you go and get him a shandy? I know. That put me off all that stuff. It really did. And it was a while before I came through personally to the magnificence of that supernatural communication with Jesus. You see, I'd grown up in an environment where it was like a badge of honour. It was like a badge of merit. Did you get it? Yeah, I got it on the 27th of July, 1973. And because of that, I was, what's the point? 
But because of bad teaching, because of that automatic stuff, we can have people who have problems. And I really felt as I was praying that there's more than one person here for you. The stepping out in faith is to begin to use that heavenly language. To begin to speak out in that heavenly language. It's not robotic. It's not automatic. And you might sound stupid at first. Because that's what people do when they're learning a new language. Our grandson is 18 months old. He's in Auckland. I'm mean, not on his own. He's with his mum and dad. <laughs> Have a nice time. And, uh, and he's just beginning to, to speak, you know. So he's saying things like, ah, uh, uh, uh. And so his dad says, don't be ridiculous. Speak normally, Nehemiah, for goodness sake. No, you don't do that. And sometimes we're nervous because it, like, it sounds stupid and it's not fluent. I really felt in my preparation that God is saying to a few people here, for you, the stepping out in faith is to go for it in that heavenly language. And theologians will get all mixed up with whether it's language of heaven, language of earth. Forget all that. Just do it. There's a release. There's a strength. There's a power to that supernatural dynamic in our lives. My mum is 90 next month. Can you believe it? And uh, for many years, she's been a bad driver. She's not just a bad driver in her 80s. She's always been a bad But there was a time once when she bought a new little Peugeot car. And she'd never had a car with a fifth gear before. And so we were on the little motorway that's, that's, that's on the edge of Stockport. And, 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 and my mother had got to the dizzy, ho- dizzy heights of doing about 50 miles an hour. But she was still in fourth. So the little engine was like... Ee! And I'm like, mother, mother there's a... Because you have to be respectful. Mother, there's a fifth gear. And it, oh, where's that then? What do you mean, where is it? It's on my sticky thing. And so... Ee! And then she, she eventually... Put it into fifth and ah, I really felt God gave me that picture. Because of somebody trying really hard in fourth gear. But that heavenly language is the overdrive. It's the extra. I tell you what was really strange. My oh, it's a long story to do with my dad's faith. He was a pastor and stuff and then lost his faith. And, it was, and I remember the first time I ever spoke out in that heavenly language tongues. I wasn't really bothered about the tongues stuff. I was praying for my dad. I was praying for my dad. And I was praying and praying, and suddenly I was praying in that heavenly language. I knew I was praying for my dad, but I like ran out of things to say. My heart was bursting. And it's a bit like whether we're praying for something really deep. If we've only got our first language, we, we reach a limit. And if we're praising God in our first language, we reach a limit. But that heavenly language of tongues, step out. And suddenly there's that release. And who knows how God might want to use you in supernatural, miraculous events. It's for us. It's not just for others. Declaring your confidence in him. You're going through a circumstance that's tough, that's difficult, that's hard. But your stepping out might be with grit and determination to say, I will yet praise God. Maybe even this week you've had a diagnosis or you've had a threatening letter in the post or something threatening bankruptcy or business or some relational conflict or something threatening marriage. Oh, somebody's talked divorce this week with somebody. Oh, my. Do you know what? We can declare that Jesus is our Lord and he will see us through. That is stepping out in faith, declaring it, trusting him. Jesus loves to be trusted. 
And when we are praising him, even in the tough circumstances of life, it is our way of saying, Jesus, I still trust you. You're still on the throne. I still declare my trust and confidence in you. That's stepping out in faith. I love those psalms. I love the fact that God lets some of those psalms get in the book. How on earth did he let them? I love those ones. Oh God, I'm naffed off with you. Why are you doing this and not doing that? And he lets it get in the book. I hope you know you're allowed to shout at God. He won't smite you. You can be honest. You can be honest. You can be honest with God. Step out, step out. Miracles, healings, confidence in him, praising. They're all ways we can step out in faith. One final thing on this. Don't worry, I've only got 15 slides. <clears throat> Sadly, expect criticism. Expect criticism. When you step out, you always get opposition. You always get opposition. You get criticism. You get accusation. Jesus did. The disciples through the book of Acts did. You see, those who don't go for it frequently criticise those who do. It embarrasses others, you see, when we go for it. It intimidates others. Religious people, people who like the status quo. Peter did it. It's interesting as well that Peter's walking on water is only in this account. I don't know if you know the Gospels, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke are sort of together. And the, the author, if you like, the source, this is the fancy people say, behind Mark is Peter. So John Mark wrote Mark's Gospel, and Peter was the main source behind it. Which is why in Mark's Gospel, all the failures of Peter are more pronounced. Because Peter didn't want to be the hero of a book that he was the prime source to. In Mark's gospel, Peter walking on the water is not even in the gospel. You see, if this had been seen as a failure, it would have been in Mark's gospel. Because Peter makes sure that everything that shows him in a bad light is... I mean, Peter the bozo, he really is in Mark's gospel. So what that means is that it's not in Mark's gospel where Peter's presented in a bad light, but it is in Matthew's gospel. Therefore, this was seen as success. This was seen as a bold, brave thing. As far as we know, so far, Peter's the only human being other than Jesus who's walked on water. That's pretty neat. I reckon when we get to heaven, we may be Peter, water walker. You see, it was, it was success. It was good. If it had been seen as failure, it would have been in Mark's account. Do you know what's really weird with this stepping out thing? Is sometimes, and I'm guessing you're not here because you wouldn't be here on a Sunday night if you were. But there are some followers of Jesus, and the attitude is, what's the least I can get away with? What's the least I can get away with? What's the least number of times I can get to church and Jesus still like me? What's the least number of times or the shortest time I can pray in the morning and God not go off me? It's like, what's the least I can do? But what about flipping that and saying, do you know what? If I'm a passionate follower of Jesus, what's the most I can go for? What's the biggest thing I can step out for? I, wrote, I got these deliberately from a friend of mine because I wanted to make sure I, I got them accurate. So, Mick is in a church in Manchester. He has an alcoholic background and because of that went into some serious bad things and he went to prison in Bristol. After his release, he came to faith in Jesus and went through the 12 Steps programme. But during the 12 Steps program, part of that was to make reparation. And as a new follower of Jesus, 
he said to his pastor up in Manchester, who's a friend of mine, he says, I really feel God wants me to go to Cambridge and apologise for one of the things I did, which was quite a serious thing to do. So this guy, Mick, he, he drove to Cambridge to say sorry. When he got to the door, the person was the person he expected it to be, and they wouldn't open the door, which is understandable. And he's shouting, I, I, I want to say sorry, I, I follow Jesus now. So eventually the person let them in, and they had a conversation, and he talked about how his faith had changed him. Then when he came out, um, he got back to his car, began to drive off, and he was stopped by the police. And he's thinking, oh my goodness. So he explained to the police officer what he was doing. The police officer said, come and sit in the car. So obviously he thought he's in trouble. When he got in the car, the policeman reached under the seat in the police car, took a vodka bottle from underneath the seat, and said to Mick, who had previously been an alcoholic before he came to faith in Jesus, I'm an alcoholic, I really need help. He asked Mick for help, and a long journey took place, and eventually that police officer chose to follow Jesus. See, God is at work. God is at work all the time. My friend, she, she's pastor in Manchester, and she's also the principal of a, of a Bible college, a theological college. She's nearly as good as Regent's College um, in Manchester. And, uh, and uh, this friend of mine, Deirdre, she had to have a, quite a serious operation. Uh, she went to hospital. She had numerous operations. Uh, but she used to struggle in the middle of the dark night, despite being a pastor, not like Jamie and me, who are perfect, obviously. But she had fears. She had doubts. She had nervous things going on. She... Um, but before she went in, a brand new Christian prayed for her as she went into hospital. This person knew that Christians were supposed to anoint with oil. Maybe that's a stepping out for somebody. To anoint with oil, that's a biblical thing to do. But she didn't have any anointing oil. So she used bath oil with a very distinctive fragrance to anoint this young woman before she went to hospital. And then Deirdre, my friend, she regularly woke up in the early hours and smelt this same distinctive fragrance through the ward where she was. She just knew somehow God was using that fragrance to remind her of the prayers that she'd had several weeks before, and she knew God was with her, and her prayers were being answered. A little bit more, she came out of hospital eventually, and as I said, she's a principal of the Bible College in Manchester. She went back to the college in Manchester after six months off. And then a part-time student started at the college, an Indian student, and um, this Indian student recognised Deirdre. And Deirdre said, I'm sorry, it's not possible. You've not been here before. How could you? It turned out that this woman was a nurse at the hospital. And she didn't know Deirdre at all. But she did regular night shifts. And she said when she had her break in the middle of the night, she often felt prompted to go to stand at the end of the bed of this young woman who was fast asleep, who she didn't know who she was, and pray for her recovery. And Way, way afterwards, suddenly went back and they met each other. And so Deirdre suddenly found out she was being prayed for. I, I, I love these Jesus stories. And, and I love the fact they're not written in books from the 1820s. Because sometimes we read these books and, and we read these men of God and, and they, you know, they got up at 4am. Oh, great. Yeah, but what they don't tell you, they had no electric, so they all went to bed at 8 o'clock. Well, if I went to bed at 8 o'clock, I could get up for it. And if we're not careful, we, we resign all these things to, like, mythical... Ooh, it's us, it's today, it's right now. Ordinary followers of Jesus stepping out and doing stuff in his name. Let's step out. Um, quickly. Come here, you've got to listen quicker. 
Let's pick up the little bit at the end of this story. So Peter's walked on the water, which he could only do because he'd stepped out the boat, came towards Jesus. But we know this, verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So I want to be quicker on these last two points because they follow on from the first one. The second one is don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. See, Peter loses his focus. He loses his concentration. I don't know about you, but I can trust Jesus for at least an hour. But then we can lose our focus. There's the stuff of life. Not many of us are wicked sinners. But we just lose our focus. We just drift. We, just, we want to trust Jesus, but then life attacks us. That's the, he feels threatened. He feels insecure in the face of the unknown. And I love this, verse 31, where it says, you have little faith. A, a, a modern translation says, what made you lose your nerve like that? Why do you doubt? What made you lose... It actually means, why are you divided in two? See, true faith is single-mindedly fixing your eyes on Jesus. And so when Pete first gets out of the boat, he's looking at Jesus, he's going towards Jesus, and he's going for it. But it's when he gets distracted by the stuff of life, just like you and I do. Oh, there's this diagnosis, there's this problem, there's this finance, there's this relationship. And suddenly, we, like Peter, get distracted. But it's staying focused on Jesus. See, Peter is a great model of walking in faith and walking in lack of faith. This is an example of true faith which struggles in a crisis. If we go through crises, sometimes we struggle, but it doesn't mean it's the end. Jesus still loves us. Do you know what I love about this? Jesus loves you when you walk on water and loves you when you begin to sink. I've talked to people who've had a very strong parental upbringing, usually the dad, but not always, which was so hard that the child always felt that they could never live up to their parents' standards. I've pastored long enough to know that is like a repetitive thing, where somebody never feels they can meet the standard. And if we're not careful, we feel like that with God. Well, it's all fine and dandy, you're saying, go for it, but what if I go for it and begin to sink? Well, that's what happened to Jesus, to Peter. And what happened to him? Jesus lifted him up. It's really interesting. Do you notice, it doesn't say he sank. In fact, if you Google other pictures of this, you'll find, you know, like Peter's hand sticking through like that. As though, no. He began to sink. Beginning to sink. He cried out. Cry out to Jesus as soon as you're beginning to sink. And what I love about this is that Jesus picks Peter up before he tells him off. I love that. The sequence of it. In fact, it's interesting. It's the third immediately, if you've noticed that. At the beginning, it says immediately Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. Then in verse 27, as soon as they were terrified, they were terrified. And Jesus immediately said, take courage, it's me, echo Amy. And now, as soon as Peter cries out, Lord, save me, because he's beginning to think, as soon as he does, immediately Jesus reached out and caught him. Jesus will rescue you. And we sometimes hear these big words about, yes, I've got to go for it in God. But what if I fail? Well, Peter failed, and Jesus lifted him up and said, you don't need to doubt. It's really interesting. We, we tend to, how do you hear this, you see? Jesus says to him, why did you doubt? How do we hear that? 
we see if we can. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? You wicked is. We can hear with that, but that's not the picture of God. I, I, I think with Jesus as God, I think he sort of cuffed him round the neck a bit and says, "Don't be daft, you wazik." Can you say wazik? Oh, good. You see, can you hear the difference? I don't think there was like anger in Jesus. Why did you doubt you? No, it's like you didn't need to doubt your bozo. He clapped him on the. Don't be daft. You see, Jesus rescues him. He reaches out to him. And sometimes we're scared of stepping out in case we get it wrong. What if I do say to somebody, would you like me to pray for you? And say, no. Well, it's all right. Now you know. Don't pray for him. What's the worst that could happen? I've got friends who are in missions workers in funny countries. I tell you, there's a lot worse happens than feeling stupid. <laughs> so, so the worst that could happen is... Well, actually, they didn't want praying for. So, so we, don't be scared of going for it. Jesus will still love us. But this is the absolute key. Don't let what is going on around you sabotage what Jesus is doing within you. Don't let what is going on around you sabotage what Jesus, Jesus is doing within you. Oh, and if you've been distracted by the spelling mistake, stay focused. <laughs> But then it says, they worshipped him. They worshipped him. You notice that right at the end of the story. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. I don't know how they did this, Phil. How did they do that? They worshipped him. I mean, first of all, how could they get a mains cable five miles out? And how could they get the screen to be steady on the boat? And to be honest, these would be rocking a bit, wouldn't they? I mean, you know what I mean? So the iPad would, would fall in the water for a start. And how could you get the mics line? And how, would you, how on earth could they worship him? You see, we sometimes think like that. And I work with a lot of younger people. And if we're not careful, in the last 20 years where we've seen encounters with Jesus in corporate gatherings through powerful praise and worship, we've seen that brilliantly. But if we're not careful, we have a reductionist view of worship. And we have this, let's have a time of worship. Well, what were we doing before then? Or even worse, when we get to the end, then you're done to do it here. I know you don't. You get to the end of a time of worship, we mean all this lot, and we say, did you enjoy that? And I'm sometimes in churches, and, and, and when somebody says, did you enjoy that time? I feel like saying, I don't care whether we enjoyed it or not. It wasn't for us. It was for him. But if we're not careful, we have this reductionist view of it. Let's have a sing song. No, no, no. Corporate sung musical praise and worship can be a wonderful way of honouring him and reminding us how big he is. You see, we have songs where we talk about magnify God. Magnify. Well, does it make God bigger? No. But it makes God bigger in our eyes. Now, I know some of you will be scientific, so you'll know this. So if you get a magnifying glass, and if you look through a magnifying glass, it doesn't make it bigger honest okay it doesn't but in your perception it makes it bigger and that's why when we magnify God it doesn't make him bigger but it makes us remember how big he is and then we can step out and if we go for it brilliant and if we fail a little bit he still loves us and smacks us hey you're doing all right but you see it's a life of worship it's a life of worship it's not just about a time of worship And I don't denigrate the powerful encounters with Jesus we do. But let's make sure we take it out there. 
Let's make sure in real life. One of the emphases I see in the last 10 years especially is the relationship between gathered and scattered. That is, that is a theme that Jesus is doing all over the place. The gathered church here, and then we're scattered to be kingdom carriers, presence of God carriers wherever we go. And there are some churches that just do the gathered, holy huddle waiting to go to heaven and forget that we're scattered. But then there's some that emphasize the scattered so much they forget to be gathered. But the gathered to remind us of who Jesus is and to strengthen one another like coals in a fire. For the young people, that, well, that's a long story. <laughs> we used to have fires. <laughs> but it gets its meaning and significance when we're sent out. It's a life of worship. Scattered, gathered, scattered, gathered. It's a life of worship. They acknowledged him as their Lord and their God. They made him their focus. They honoured him as their Messiah. They gave their lives to serve him and follow him faithfully. Jesus has an encounter with a woman at the well in John's Gospel, chapter 4. It's the only time in Scripture where it says the Father seeks. The Father seeks. Only once in Scripture does it ever say the Father seeks. And it says three times what the Father seeks. It does not say worship. It says the Father seeks worshippers. Those who live their lives in relationship with him. So step out in faith. Don't get distracted. (laughs) And see that our whole life is a life of worship as we follow him. Would you like to come up here and do something for us? <laughs> do you want some mates up with you? Sorry, I should have warned you a bit earlier. Can you, can you write a song for us? <laughs> I, I know refreshing. It's, a, it's, a, it's an encounter with Jesus. I know Jesus wants to do things in our life. I, I go a bit silly like that because I don't like, I don't like overly mystical. We don't need to do the... Ooh, no. But, but Jesus is here. Jesus has already spoken. I've got great confidence that Jesus has spoken. He wants to touch us with his glory. What does stepping out mean for you? I think there's a few things that God wants to do. But when these guys begin to, what, do you want to do leaders in a song? Or, but what I don't want you to do is suddenly do the sing song, especially if the words come up. I want you to respond to what, what Jesus is saying to you. I know that Jesus has challenged somebody about stepping out and speaking in tongues. I know Jesus has spoken about being baptised, about being a witness, about declaring your confidence in him. Step out. Step out. And if you're saying, well, I'm too ordinary, that's the point. He uses ordinary. And if you're saying, but what I believe God wants me to step out for... It's too big or too small. No, it's exactly the right size. It's you-sized. Do you know something I missed out before and I just felt challenged by Jesus? I should have said it. And I wasn't brave enough to say it. And I'm sorry, I will now. Somebody needs to step out with your finance giving. It's on my list here. And I didn't say it because of nervousness. Sorry, I've just too much of disclosure me. But there's somebody you're stepping out is about giving finance to God. I'm a passionate believer in tithing, giving a tenth to God. Passionate believer in that. But of course the people say, oh no, I don't like the rules, I don't like the regulations, we're not under law, we're under grace. Okay, grace is always more. So whatever you want to give, more than 10%, that's absolutely fine. But there's a stepping out. But it's not just about commitment. See, Peter, 
had to take that commitment. And somehow, between stepping from the boat onto the water, the Lord God Almighty commanded water molecules to hold hands and to take the weight of Peter. See, even with finance, he will hold you up. He will hold you up. Even with our giving of finance, even in speaking in a funny language, even in sharing our faith, even in declaring our confidence in praise and worship with him, even facing the adverse circumstances, when you step out, whatever you're stepping onto, Jesus will make it solid. So step out in faith. Let's all stand, shall we? Then if that's you, please come forward. Is a team of people being able to pray with folk and stuff? Yeah. Apparently there's people here who pray, apparently. Who'd have thought in the church? Lord Jesus, I ask that you would speak to each one of us right now, Lord. I know that I'm at risk of saying all of the stuff again because I know you've spoken. But you've spoken to different people about different things. But the theme has been about stepping out in faith. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help people to be brave and people tonight to make a conscious decision to step out here because it's a metaphor that as soon as the opportunity arises, they are going to step out in the way you've spoken to them. Help people to step out as a metaphor of stepping out into whatever you have called them to. Help us to hear your voice and respond to what you say in Jesus' name. So you step out and people here would love to pray with you and for you.